0: Christy Marchese, who grew up in Southern California, worked at a movie theater through high school.
1: So that was, a, that was a fun way for me to be able to stay out late because, you know, the movies ran late. It was a great excuse for me to get paid to stay out late and break my curfew. So, so I, I love movies. I love the entertainment industry. I'm, I'm a fan of pop culture in general, so anything from art house to popular films.
0: Christy was planning on enrolling in filmmaking at college, but decided to pursue international relations following the attacks of 9-11. That love of film, however, remained strong. And after college, Christy started working with a well-known TV producer on a non-profit film on registering voters. Christy's path next took her to a company called Participant Media, where she worked on documentaries such as Food, Inc., Waiting for Superman, and The Cove. My job
1: is figuring out you know, what do those campaigns look like online? So what does a website look like? What's the social media campaign? So I started shifting more into online community building and actions of what, after you see the film, then what do you do?
0: Now based in New York City, Christie is the founder and CEO of Kinema, a company that uses a market platform to make films available to hosts, who then handle things like booking and ticket selling themselves through this digital platform. And this, according to Christie, allows Kinema to service more filmmakers and distributors.
1: And so what part of what we were interested in building Kinema for was to enable anyone to essentially pop, create their own movie houses or curate cinema for their own neighborhoods to kind of bypass having to go through traditional cinemas. I live close to Chinatown here so that like I work with a a local pop-up over here that can curate Chinese language films specific to the, the neighborhood where a larger theater might not be able to curate that.
0: On this episode of Run It Like a Girl, Christy Marchese talks about some mistakes she's made as a CEO, including not delegating enough. She has some advice for anyone interested in starting a business on venture capital, and she has some great advice for fellow introverts.
1: One, arrive early. It's harder to walk into a big room of crowded people. It's better when, you, when it's less people and it fills in around you. Um, to know who the other introverts are in the room. Um, they'll also probably be on their phone or hiding in the bathroom. So, um, and doing it, doing it in doses <laughs> and just realizing that it's, you know, about half the people in the room are probably introverts too.
0: <laughs> Founder and CEO of Kinema, Christy Marchese, on this episode of Run It Like a Girl.
2: So today is a beautiful fall day here in rural Ontario, and I'm very excited to be chatting with Christy Marchese, who is the CEO and founder of Kinema and based in New York City. Christy, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Also, I'm jealous you have a beautiful fall day. It's very dreary here in New York. Oh, is it?
2: Oh, too bad. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's uh, it's beautiful here. Um, I went for a walk over my lunch, you know, try to get your head out of the work life, to clear yes. things, so, yeah, we're lucky. Um, but uh, hopefully, tomorrow's better for you. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> so let's jump right in. So Kinema, I love I, I love that uh, that you're in in the film industry. I've, I haven't had anyone on the show before that's been in the film industry, and I can't wait to talk about it. But let's talk first about your background and your early career. So how did you get to be where you are today? I, well, I guess I could say it started by I worked at a movie theater um,
1: in high school, so that was a that was a fun way for me to be able to stay out late because you know the movies ran late and we would have a big opening like Star Wars. Um, it was a great excuse for me to get paid to stay out late and break my curfew. So, uh, so it goes all the way back to that. So I, I love movies. I love the entertainment industry. I'm, I'm a fan of pop culture in general. So anything from art house to popular films. So and but I, when I went to school, I was going to go into film editing and filmmaking. Um, and then the world changed. 9/11. I I did a huge pivot and decided to go into international relations um, to get so focused on studying um, religion and politics and totally went in a different direction. But upon coming out of of college, I guess I still had this love for for film and entertainment um, and while still wanting to do something good in the world. So I ended up working for um, a well-known TV producer named Norman Lear, and he had a nonprofit that was all about registering voters. So I got to work at this amazing intersection of pop culture, entertainment, working with celebrities and movies with the whole point of getting people to register to vote. So that kind of brought me back into the film space. And after that, I went to work at Participant Media.
2: That's so cool. What a neat way to blend your... uh... Your experiences. Sorry, and go yeah, on. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just think that's really cool that no. you uh, found your way back in.
1: <laughs> it's you know it's a, it's fun. I'm like you know it's like you can get pulled back to it. But you wanted to I think like any millennial, uh Californian millennial, like I wanted to make a difference in some way. So I, I feel like Participant Media gave me that opportunity. We worked on incredible films, great documentaries like Food Inc. and Waiting for Superman and The Cove. My job is figuring out. You know what do those campaigns look like online? So what does a website look like? What's the social media campaign? So I started shifting more into online community building and actions of what, after you see the film, then what do you do? And after I left Participant, I started um, my own, I did some consulting and then started my own company called Picture Motion, which I ran for the last nine years. And we're a social impact agency um, that partners with filmmakers, distributors and studios to create campaigns around their films. So then it was. I learned about management and building a company. Wow, <laughs> and clients. That's, and so that was that was a real lesson.
2: That's so cool. I think that's so interesting. Did you say you're from California originally?
1: Yes. Oh, yep, Southern
2: California. Southern California. And when did you move to New York?
1: Uh, this, I'm in my tenth year now. So I moved here in 2011.
2: Wow That's, and how do you how do you like it compared to uh I the love West Coast? New
1: York, yeah, <laughs> I mean I, I feel like I got, my, I got my California roots still like I keep hugging people that 's really like too much for some people here but I, I I love it. I get to go back often for work, and my family's still there, but I feel like at my ten year mark i'm i 'm fully embracing being a new yorker
2: awesome that 's very cool um so I love uh what you talked about so your your role with uh within uh, the film industry was really about taking. Uh, taking that movie and and getting it out to the market and getting people engaged and wanting to take action from these documentaries that they've they've watched, um, exactly. And, and, and you named a couple really great documentaries, so that must have been a really cool experience. So when you moved on and kind of started your own company and then with Kinema, um, you know, you talk about it being social cinema, which I think I've pieced together is 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 projects where they're trying to do good. And it's cinema that you go and watch to actually learn something and, uh, and be able to take action. But from you, I'd love tell me about your company and the motivation to actually break out and, and do something on your own.
1: Yeah, it's so funny. I've been using, I went from doing social media to like social impact. And now it's more like socializing around cinema. Yeah. <laughs> so I've really gotta, I really got to expand my vocabulary for the work that I do. Um, but yeah, so the last company was really focused on the impact space, get with someone to see a movie, uh, get downloaded on the information, learn something, you know, sit in somebody else's shoes, and hopefully be inspired to take an action afterwards or learn more. And we would provide them with that path of action. And in doing that over again, almost a decade, we started to build up. Uh, we started to help filmmakers connect directly with audiences through in-person screenings. So we would work directly with filmmakers who were running their own film campaigns and maybe didn't have distribution, or studios that were trying to find ways to connect with organizations that were working on those issues, or distributors were just looking to expand their audiences and what that means is over a few years we started building up this big database and all these relationships with essentially screening hosts uh, activists influencers community leaders who were using film to build community connection um and so we it became a bigger part of the business and we were trying to figure out what to do and so we're like we think there might be an opportunity here to give filmmakers direct access to these hosts and audiences and not have to just hire the agency which Picture Motion's an amazing agency. They're still running with a new CEO named Brian Walker and he's awesome. they um, working with our, our CEO, Juliet Ritchie over there. And they're an amazing team still doing great work, but it's very bespoke campaigns, very strategic campaigns per film. Um, so you can only take on a few a year. The idea behind Kinema was create a marketplace platform where we can bring films onto the platform and list them and make them available to our hosts. And they can handle the booking, the resource downloading, the ticket selling, the rights management, all through the technology platform. So therefore, we could service um, more filmmakers and distributors.
2: That's very cool. And how has uh, how has the pandemic affected affected your organization and the kind of work that you do?
1: Yes, let's say if I had known that a pandemic was going to hit, I wouldn't have tried to launch a a company in the cinema business in March of 2020. (laughs) So we were going out with what we call like like the MVP or the the minimum viable product where we had the the initial platform and we had our first film release that we were going to work on. And what that meant was we had a great system where we could distribute the film digitally, safely, securely, no more sending DVDs or DCPs um, to any of our screening hosts. And that was literally happening in in March and April of of 2020. So we had to stop entirely. We had, we were also just starting fundraising. So we decided to go get venture capital in order to build the the technology. Uh, And it kind of came to a halt and we had to stop and think, what are we, what's the world gonna be? What does virtual look like? And we have an amazing CTO and Tim Knight, um, an amazing head of film at the time named Olivia. And we just were like, let's sit and watch and let's also maybe build another like MVP. Like what would a virtual cinema look like? And so we built a mini version of what we have now and got to partner with Picture Motion and do our first screening where we had 5,000 teachers and uh, show up to watch a movie about Jane Goodall. Uh And it was incredible. And we learned a lot and started to understand what online um, community film watching might be. And so we did a big pivot and we added a virtual product and we fundraised and now we kind of are in phase two. And in spring of this year, we essentially relaunched um, as Kinema.
2: That's uh. That's really cool. That's, that's interesting. And I, and I want to kind of talk a bit about that work. And then I want to pivot because I because just chatting with you has, has, I have a whole bunch of other questions kind of around the business aspect and, and, and yeah. you know, starting your own company and becoming a leader and, and being responsible for other people and, and all of the things that goes along with running your own company. But first, I want to ask you about storytelling and the impact it has on um, on minority communities. So um, can you talk to me a little bit about what that impact is and how your organization works in that space
1: sure I mean I I, not being a a minority race myself like I can't speak directly to to any sort of experience but I can tell you like what we look at demographically is like if you there's there's a lot of sayings you people can relate to you can't see it if you can't be it there were not enough women filmmakers there's most films don't pass the Bechdel are you familiar with the
2: Bechdel test no I'm not do you know this no I don't okay so this is
1: (laughs) I love talking about the Bechdel test, especially if people haven't heard it. So the Bechdel test is a test that you put against any film to see if it essentially passes. And the Bechdel test is, does the film have two women, at least two women? Do those women talk to each other? And is it not about a man? Oh. And you would be surprised at how many films fail that test. That's <laughs> interesting. <And> so, <laughs> it's fascinating. and You start to realize most of, most movies pass that, the male version of that where there's at least two men. They definitely talk to each other and they definitely talk about things other than women. So um, so we started, you know, there's, we had that problem in the industry and it's starting to be addressed for the time um, for a while now. We're seeing more money go into making films with, with women and people of color behind the camera and in front of the camera. We're starting to see executives change at big companies in the last couple of years. And one of the areas we hadn't quite seen it changing in is actually in distribution. And so what part of what we were interested in building Kinema for was to enable anyone to essentially pop, create their own movie houses or curate cinema for their own neighborhoods to kind of bypass having to go through traditional cinemas. So, you know, what we were interested in doing is basically creating a tool set that anyone else can use. So it's less about, you know, how can, how can we better facilitate films, you know, going into different areas, but what, or how do we create tools that other people can so that, uh, you know, I live close to Chinatown here so that like, well, I work with um, like a local pop up over here that can curate Chinese language films specific to the, the neighborhood where a larger theater might not be able to curate that. So we look at bringing in a really wide library of international films, um, ensuring our database does have diverse uh, titles and diver- a diverse range of filmmakers and stories. Um, but it's really up to the host to be able to decide what they want to curate for their community. So it's us being a service provider for, um, uh, for everyone to help curate the filmmaking they want to see as that's, we say.
2: That's great. That's fantastic. And so now I'd like to talk a little bit about, so as, as a woman in, in the film industry, where I, I can imagine that near the top with people that are running companies and things like that, there aren't a lot of other women in that kind of position. So how has, um, how do you think being a woman has affected kind of your career and, and your career path? i
1: I think how has being a woman affected my career path? I think I've been really lucky, first of all. So I've had amazing um, bosses and role models and mentors. So every every job I've had, I've just I, I've either worked for an amazing woman or worked for an amazing supportive man. So I think I've also lucked out. I also have worked to like, I've said this before. To like I rarely work with straight men. I work with a lot of women and a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of gay men. So. I feel like I haven't had um, as many of the negative experiences, which really do exist in the industry. Yeah. So I think I've been lucky in that front. Working more in the independent film side and the social impact space, it is it is heavily women led and LGBT led. So I've been I've been lucky on that front. Um, I think I've also been fortunate that I have friends and that happens naturally in how you spend your time and, and what you do for a living that are also founders. So I have a support group of women who also have started companies. And so we've created we've shared um, you know, behind, behind the scenes information on investors or hiring or best practices. And that's been like a really amazing support group. So I've been fortunate that I've had a really good experience and really great role models that have helped me through it.
2: That's great. And as you kind of uh, ventured out and started your own company, and and obviously had b- became the leader of that company, um, what do you think your leadership style is? Like, how do you go about um, your your job as a as a CEO? Uh, I
1: think uh, for me, it's a lot of collaboration and listening, which has been tough. I think one of the tougher things for me has been figuring out when to be more of a leader or to be more assertive and accept kind of the position. Uh, that you need to be as, as a head of a company. Uh, I tend to lean more collaborative. And um, I guess uh, what's what I'm looking for? I tend to lean more collaborative in, in how we do things. But part of that also comes from hiring people that I think are smarter than me and better at me in their jobs. And I would prefer to listen to them. <laughs> so uh, I think that would probably be the, the style I lean. <laughs> That's
2: awesome. That's great. Um, and I love how you say uh, hiring people that are smarter than you. Um, yeah, I, th- I think <laughs> that uh, that's probably the biggest mistake people can make is thinking that they have to be the smartest person uh, in in their uh, in their profession. Um, I think the other thing, the
1: other mistake I've made and I've seen is, is delegating. I, I oftentimes don't delegate enough, and a part of it is having trust that everybody is smarter and is great at their job, and that I don't need to do all the details. I think the, the last company I ran was you know a bootstrapped agency model, so we could only spend you know what we made. We could only do promotions when we made more money, and so it was very much the the revenue was coming in influenced how we could run and build the future of the company. Where well, this is a venture back company, it's different. So we basically have given ourselves two years of runway based on fundraising, and that creates um, a different hiring strategy, it creates a different plan for growth. Um, so I've also had to had to learn different types of, of businesses to run and leadership to have in these two scenarios.
2: Uh, yeah, for sure. And um, so, what what advice would you say to someone who is starting a business and looking at venture capital to try to to try to start it? How what any advice do you have when they're starting out?
1: I think first is decide if you really need it. First of all, like, is, is it can you do, can you build this business without it? Could you first do like even a friends and family round like and uh, just to even get started a little bit so that you're working kind of with with people who are already in your network when you venture out and to play on words, when you venture out to venture. So you're often going out to people who are very much looking for, understandably, you know, a large financial return. That's why it's it's venture capital. And so I've been fortunate that being in New York a while and having some relationships, I have really great investors, Arlene investors, I'd known um, before and had built a relationship with. So it didn't have the same type of feel as of going out and raising from from strangers, essentially. So I think first decide if if you really needed to run the business that you want to run, and then figure out um, who you would want to work with, because who, who you work with and, and who you raise from is, is essentially becoming it's like a marriage you're getting into business <laughs> you're getting into a marriage and so you're gonna be friends for a long period of time
2: absolutely and i guess then you also have other people you have to answer to as well in terms of you do yeah doing. and it's true and if there's the you exchange
1: ownership of the company you know a board gets set up there are you know you have voting protocols that go into place it's still new for me this is a seed round you know we, we closed formally at the beginning of this year or first quarter of this year um I've had a great experience so far I've also heard you know many scary stories about people who lose control of their company you know over to the board or to the investors so it's something that to to think about seriously before you go after it
2: excellent um and so if you could go back to when you first started your career and have a conversation with yourself what would you talk about and what kind of advice would you give
1: I do not believe in bending the space-time continuum, so I would not go back and say anything. I don't <laughs> want to mess with anything. I've seen way too many movies about this. <laughs> so it's, um, I, I actually don't know. This is a funny question for me because I actually, I, I weirdly, I don't know if I would change anything because I'm happy with everything I've learned and all the mistakes I've made because it's 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 gotten me you to know, where I am and to the, the companies where they are today. But, the, but when I was thinking fear, I'm always afraid of this question. Um, I actually would think if I were to tell myself something back then, why would I, why, I should be telling myself that now. Like, what do I think I should be? What, what? How could I apply that to today? And I think part of that is um, taking even more risk. I think that it's, it's, like, it is uh, taking more risks, um, being, kind of getting out there a little bit more. I tend to be a little bit more heads down in how I work. Um, and what's interesting is I heard um, a woman say this on one of your other episodes about how important relationships are. And she's entirely right. That's the biggest like takeaway I've learned in doing this for a while is the relationships matter so much more than the work. And so it's, it's a thing that I would not tell myself back in time to not spend the space time continuing, but I just help remind myself now it's building those relationships. They matter um, and take more risks in getting out there. <laughs>
2: Excellent. Um, and you know what, actually, I want to ask you another question then in, in about relationships. So because that doesn't come easy to everyone, right? Networking and, and trying to form those relationships for a lot of people uh, like myself, I consider myself very much an introvert. And I am very good on one on one conversations like this. However, put me in a room and I'll be the one pretending I'm busy on my phone in the corner. Um, so what advice would you give me about trying to to build relationships and do that networking? I
1: mean, I'm extremely introverted too. It's very difficult for me to like, I have to like one-on-one good, but like walking into a room. So I have like all these tips and tricks. I have other introverted friends. We like pool our resources on what our tips and tricks are like one arrive early. It's harder to walk into a big room of crowded people. It's better when you when it's less people and it fills in around you (laughs) Um, Two, know who the other introverts are in the room. Um, They'll also probably be on their phone or hiding in the bathroom. (laughs) So (laughs) we, uh, uh, my friend Kelly and I started something called charging stations where we both knew that like how exhausting it is to be networking and doing these things. So often we'd find each other in the room be like, you need to recharge. be like, yeah, let's recharge. <laughs> let's just stand next to each other, pretend we're talking. So I think, I think that's part of it. Um, and doing it, doing it in doses <laughs> and just realizing that it's, you know, about half the people in the room are probably introverts too. <laughs> yeah. So that helps. And so, and I've started to find who those people are.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great advice. And it's, it's funny because, uh, Every time, you know, I've been part of like a session or something and they're asking people who loves networking, it's usually one or two people that put their hands up. Everyone else is like, oh, my gosh, kill me now. Exactly. I, <laughs> I want to go home. Like, <laughs> I,
1: exactly. I got to do it. It's, I got to do it for work.
2: It's not about me. I got to get over it. And it's worth it always. But like, yeah,
1: yeah no, it's painful. <laughs>
2: yeah, very. Well, that kind of brings us to the end of our formal questions. And then right. we have uh, what we call the fast three. So it's just three questions to give our audience um, some some more information about you and, and kind of what you like. And the first question is what's your favorite podcast or
1: source of information? Um, Kim Master's podcast, The Business, um, which is it's, it's once a week. And it's actually my, my favorite one to listen to. Matt Bellamy jumps on it from The Hollywood Report, formerly The Hollywood Reporter. And they do just a really great rundown. And, and she's just been an, a, a, a journalist in entertainment for so long. Um, it's probably my favorite. And I have like like five like film podcasts i go through like every week just making sure from the variety hollywood reporter um on filmmaking um now i'm blanking on the other ones but there's like five or six that i'll go through make sure i, I hear every week oh kara swisher uh, is great awesome. so much <laughs> cool
2: that's great so you like podcasts then i do i do i like business podcasts yep. yes i do yeah. <laughs> so yours is great i've listened to a few episodes hey, too cool. now so <laughs> <Thanks>. yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: i love that um what are you currently yeah. reading
1: I just finished two books, actually. So I finished um, uh, Hamnet. Uh, I think Maggie O'Farrell read it. It's basically the the fictional story about uh, Shakespeare's son, the death of Shakespeare's son. Um, and what else did I finish? Oh, Laura Tadell's Animal. Super dark. Um, I don't read a lot of business books. I get most of my business stuff from podcasts. Yeah. Um, but those two novels were fantastic and i just bought um sally rooney's beautiful world something like that it just came out Mm, so i I love novels
2: yeah 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 and you know i don't uh i don't read too many business novels either what i tried to do my new year's resolution which i don't believe in but i decided i was going to (laughs) do one fiction and then one something more around my life but that only lasted a i think it lasted a couple i always last very well for january february um but i just i prefer fiction i uh it's my time away from work so
1: <laughs> yes exactly it's fully immersive like it's just it's I do the thing too where I, I, I buy I'm like an inspirational or aspirational buyer and then I just get this stack up of like books that are business or Brene Brown which is great and I just don't read them
2: yeah <laughs> they look great yep I I do too I have that in parenting books I've never read a parenting book oh. in my life but I have one uh sitting on my shelf It's been there for about eight months <laughs> It's like, a, it's like osmosis, right? If it's there, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm sure I got the info. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and my final question is, who's currently inspiring you?
1: Oh, actually, who is, who is inspiring me? Um, I actually don't know. This is this is sad that I feel like I should have somebody that's really inspiring me right, right now. And I actually, I don't. And that sounds depressing. I think I'm lucky that I, I have a lot of... I, People around me, like I have great friends. I have like that are, that work in the industry, and just hearing how they work inspires me. My husband and I like enjoy hosting dinners and events. Um, we have a patio here in New York, so they're outdoors, and we had an amazing dinner last night of just people who work in um, advertising and marketing, trying to solve problems. And so everybody at that table was kind of inspiring me in in different ways. So no one person, but. I'll be cheesy and say it's New York. Like the people that I get to see in New York now that we're coming back out again and can like talk, I'm just like getting constantly inspired by a bunch of different people and what they do.
2: (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, Christy, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and chat with me. It's been so much fun. So thanks. This has been great. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. Thank you.
0: Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. Brian Long is the producer. Web design and technical assistance provided by Dan Moak. And music courtesy of the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk.